The year is 1997. You buy a ticket to a black comedy starring John Cusack and you take your seat in the theater. After watching trailers for upcoming hits like Titanic, Men in Black, and of course Batman and Robin, the feature attraction begins. The screen goes black and over production company logos, you hear the syncopated rhythm and gentle soul bravado of I Can See Clearly Now. That's an unexpected choice for a movie about a hitman having an existential crisis at his high school reunion. But unexpected choices are what Johnny Nash's career has been all about. John Lester Nash Jr. was born in 1940 in Houston, Texas, and he started his career in the same way that contemporaries Otis Redding and Joe Tex began, in church. But Nash wasn't confined to the sanctuary for too long. By the age of 17, Nash's baby face and silky voice can be found on the pop chart alongside fellow teen idol Paul Anka. He even earned some acclaim for his acting roles in teen films Take a Giant Step and Key Witness. In 1963, Nash added record exec to his resume, forming JAD Records with business partner Danny Sims. Nash's partnership with Sims might be the best decision he ever made, and not just because JAD Records scored a few hits with the family act The Cow Sills. No, it's because when Sims decided, for reasons we can only speculate, to leave for Jamaica in 1965, Nash came along. And that's where Nash not only fell in love with reggae, but where he hired a young, unknown songwriter to pen some tunes for him, a young unknown named Bob Marley. Nash became the American to record in Jamaica, and his Marley-written tracks, Kama Kama, Guava Jelly, and even Stir It Up, earned significant airplay. No opportunist or cultural tourist, Nash's love for reggae inspired him to take Jamaican acts on tour with him, introducing the world to Bob Marley and the Wailers, Peter Tosh, and others. Although they are now legends in dorm rooms across the country, America didn't immediately embrace Marley and Tosh because pure reggae fit poorly with the rigid confines of 1960s and 70s pop radio. But when Nash mixed the genre with smooth R&B, he created something magical, including his mega hit, I Can See Clearly Now. Released in 1971, I Can See Clearly Now spent four weeks atop the top 100 charts. Its hard-earned optimism was welcome corrective to the hippy-dippy positivity that burned in the flames of Altamont. I Can See Clearly Now launched the most fruitful decade of Nash's career, which included more hit versions of Marley songs, but also featured continued experimentation, mixing elements of country music and prog rock into his soul songs. But by 1980, Nash had run out of passion for the industry. When 1986's Here Again failed to make an impact, Nash returned to Houston and retired. Once again, the reason for Nash's actions can only be speculated upon, and I'm sure we will, as the man himself has remained fairly silent. Outside of a Houston entertainment complex he built with profits from Jimmy Cliff's 1993 cover of I Can See Clearly Now for the Disney film Cool Runnings, Nash remains a mystery. But rumors persist that he's been working on a grand comeback album with nearly 100 tracks for consideration. Today, Nash's whereabouts are unknown, leaving us to talk about him and make reckless conjectures about his activities, which we are going to do now in today's episode.
so gross, such point, much blank. This is Blake Collier, and with me is the saucy minx that is Joe George. Uh, we are talking today about Johnny Nash. Not to be confused with Jimmy Nash, who more than likely throughout this episode we will uh, switch back and forth between the two, and we apologize to both men, uh, as they do not, they are two separate people, and we should respect their identities. But that is just the nature of being uh, that unaware of ourselves. Anyways, uh, we we thank you for joining us. We're going to dig into Johnny Nash's career, his biography, do some speculation. Uh, but first off, I want to turn it to Joe. How are you doing today? I am very tired. I am very uh, weary. And that seems to be the perfect state of mind to be in. We're talking about Nash. <laughs> yeah. he, he makes me feel so much more at peace. Oh, As man. I mentioned to you yesterday, I, you know, it was a rough, stress day yesterday and and we we're texting back and forth. And I was serious when I said, yes, but I have Johnny Nash to, yeah. to soothe me because it is, he is incredibly relaxing and, 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 and calming. So I'm yeah. in the proper state of mind. Beautiful. Beautiful. Same here. I, I thought that was going to take a really bad turn by saying you're just wearied and tired, just like <laughs> Johnny Nash. <laughs> so <laughs> this is going to make for a good episode. If that's, the yeah, case. That's, that's right. Yeah. Here we go. So, so as you as you talked about in your intro, we uh we have a, a man who basically takes all of the decisions that he probably shouldn't have taken if he wanted to be famous. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, and and it seems to be his personality uh, from from mm-hmm. the interview with the Houston Chronicle that that you, both of us read. Yeah, uh, it seems like Sims David Sims uh, kept saying that he basically did it on purpose. Like he fame was just not his thing. And, yeah, and so that's a that's unusual, at least, especially during this time period, uh, right? Yeah. Kind of at the introduction of, of what we consider uh, American soul music uh, at its mm-hmm. birth. And so, um, yeah, you you find Johnny Nash kind of in this weird space between white crooners and yeah. and black soul artists. And, and so, yeah. um, and, he, and he kind of carries that tradition, except he, somewhere along the way, he switches between crooning and reggae. Uh, yeah. and it's this weird mix of soul and reggae, uh, from that point on. And, and so what do you make of him as, as a personality and as an artist? You know, it's, it's tempting to dismiss him as, as somebody who's chasing after fame because he, he jumps in so many different directions throughout his career. Um, whoops, there was my cat knocking something over. <laughs> she, she did not enjoy that answer. She's a big Johnny Nash fan. Um, we're keeping that no, in, it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> um, anyway, she, he, it, it's tempting to say that. He is following so many trends, but I think you're spot on to say that he's not chasing after fame. So that means there has to be, as far as we can tell, uh, we have to assume that there's some genuine interest, even in, even in his Pat Boone stage in, yeah. in the early mm-hmm. 50s, where we'll, we'll talk about those albums next, but. Oof, that, that crooner stuff is is not the most exciting work that he it's, puts out. And then, like I special. said in, in the intro, yeah, it's something. <laughs> Later albums, you know, we've got King Crimson-esque synthesizers coming mm-hmm. in and, and steel guitars coming in. I mean, you get the sense. And, well, I shouldn't say this. I, I fill in the gaps because he leaves a lot of gaps. But I fill in those gaps with just a, a real interest in, 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 in music and a real genuine 
lack of lack of boundaries. You know, it's clear mm-hmm. that he doesn't define himself as one way or another. And clearly that worked out really well for him then to go to Jamaica and and, and be like, yeah, I can I can do this music because uh, he could. <laughs> and mm-hmm. He did. Well, and, and, and the thing that you find, like, as I was doing a little bit of research before recording, like you 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 find that um, he he ultimately is more of a influencer. Uh, I hate using yeah. that term, especially considering the uh, the, the connotations it has <laughs> nowadays. But but no, he's, don't you he, follow he, his Instagram? Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is basically just no pictures. That's just him exactly, on there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just uh, occasionally his recording booth. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but he, it seems like he was he was a, a like a, a contemporary influencer of yeah. of music, and and he pushed against. Um, like he pushed against trends, uh, yeah. and and that's what I find so fascinating about him is that he carries on kind of this um, crooner uh, mentality for you know four or five albums at least. Yes, and even though you know as as we'll talk about uh, in in the coming weeks, you know music shifts significantly with the invention of, yeah. of Motown and and Stax Records and and all these different labels that kind of changed the landscape uh, at least yeah. for soul music uh it, but yeah. i would say in music in general um and so the fact that he continued on this trajectory even in the midst of that um that massive you know earthquake of of change um is telling of his personality he, he's he's stubborn yeah. um and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like some of the best artists are those that were very stubborn uh, and just did their <laughs> own thing for their own reasons, yeah. and they yeah. didn't they didn't have to prove themselves to anyone. And and I get that sense about his his kind of mentality. Um, I, I was reading an all music uh, description or a bio of of Nash, and and the guy started out by saying something to the effect of, uh, while not being as much of a um, you know, genius as Bob Marley or, or Jimmy Cliff. Uh, he went on to, to make some really standard tunes. And I was like, he's the reason why those two are even exactly. known. And I was like, I think you're getting those two confused. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't have the popularity, but without him, you wouldn't have known those other two. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. And, yeah. And, I, and that's part of me that says like, there are some people that are meant to be on, on uh on the stage like the publicity stage and then there are other yeah. people in the background who are actually making shifting movements and i think he was a background kind of guy um yeah and, and i think that definitely plays out with just his current silence too mm-hmm. yeah um you don't get the sense in, in any of the interviews that i've read that he's he's demanding credit yeah. <laughs> for all of this it's and I think it just goes back to that genuine love for music that, you know, he he knows Bob Marley's great and we 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 more of us should hear him and doesn't, you know, and, and just did his part bringing that forward to, to to the wider audiences. Well, and it's it's one of those things where uh, to there, there's a com- comparison with one of my favorite artists, uh, who is Bill Withers, um, both of them hit their stride and then they did one final album in the eighties and they both gave it up. Yeah. And yeah. And Withers was like, just because I saw the writing on the wall, 
Like, I wasn't going to be able to continue with the same creativity that I that I had before, and so what's the point? Um, and, and so they both hung it up. They were like, I'm done. I don't care anything about the uh the trappings of of fame and 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 and, uh popularity um i did this for a reason and that reason is clearly moved on and so yeah why do i need to stick around and and act like it's still there yeah Um, and that's to be respected that that's something that is not prevalent in this day and age (laughs) yeah where does the um where does the sports complex <laughs> fit into all of this? Oh man, <laughs> jeez, yeah. So that feels like it comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And and one kind of wonders the the sports complex idea, like the so for those who don't know, he he basically put his name on a sports complex in Houston. It was Houston, right? Yeah. And uh, and it's kind of fallen into disrepair since, like, in mm. recent years. Um, and so. Part of me wonders if, at the time when he when he uh, put his name on it and he kind of got it up and running, if that wasn't a on his part a community outreach kind of element, uh, like he was yeah. doing it for the community, and that was yeah. really the the main goal for him, and the community moved on from that mm. <laughs> and left it uh, kind of as a a monument to the past. Um, yeah. Which happens, you know, it's, it, there's, yeah. there's a time for everything and, and it's time passed and, and, but part of me thinks that that's probably as simple as it probably was, uh, for him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, the, the complex looked like it was, had a lot of motocross. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so as the native Texan or did Texans abandon motocross? Is that, was that a big thing for you guys for a while? And, uh, definitely not in Amarillo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not not much outside of cow tipping was. Uh, oh really? Was... <laughs> uh, in, if, unless you uh, have forgotten the great film Tommy Boy, I need to remind you that cow tipping is a Midwestern sport, and we're not yeah. going to give that up to you guys. Okay? Yeah. Well, we we didn't even do that really. We we just we just made fun of it. <laughs> oh. You want to go out drinking and cow tipping, and it would never actually happen. Because so, we, we Amarillo is so dependent on agriculture, we didn't want to actually tip any cows because yeah, we could actually kill oh. them. So. <laughs> you created depression with one night of drinking. Exactly. Shut the city down. All right, you win the depression argument. That's, that's how we. Uh, that's how we like to party in Amarillo. <laughs> I messed with Texas, and look what happened. <laughs> Which I guess that's I'm gonna I'm gonna rough segue out of that, but um, you know he 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 is a Texan guy, um, yeah. and and the last article that I read from him was just kind of a a checkup after the hurricane hit. There mm-hmm. was there were a few things on the internet that were like, hey, is is Johnny Nash okay? Because we haven't heard from him, and he was sort of in the in the line of fire there. And yeah. and the last article I saw was just a quick check in where he's just. Yep, I'm fine. And that was basically it. <laughs> and he, he probably in the back of his head, he was like, not like you'll actually care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that I, if I'm, I'm getting them all mixed up now because I suck at research. Uh, but I think that was the one that was also the article that dropped that. Oh, he's got 100 tracks that he's been yes. recording for a while. Yeah. And at someday he's just going to drop an omnibus on us. And uh you know, his I mean, smile is going to be released or oh, man. something like that. <laughs> that would be, that'd be astounding if that happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I seem to remember the, 
there there's a conversation between the two of us at one point when we heard that 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 collection of songs was out there somewhere and and yeah. easily just have a surprise uh release on itunes or something yeah um i mean i would buy the crap out of that <laughs> so <laughs> oh i know just for just for the simple fact that we would probably be the only two who would buy the crap out of that. So. <laughs> you know what I, I i mentioned this last time i'm waiting for him to get uh you know like a the bobby womack treatment or the solomon yeah. burke treatment you know somebody mm-hmm. some modern guy comes along and 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 pays a Pays homage, yeah, know. or or get Rick Rubin to to, to get him in the exactly. studio again. <laughs> exactly, the Texan recordings. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That'd be. That'd yeah, be I mean, beautiful. we do live in a in a world where that sort of thing happens fairly regularly, where these these old artists kind of come back. I mean, and sometimes it's it's the uh, very cynical Santana. Oh, you know, yeah. my audience doesn't smoke enough pot to think that my music is good anymore, so I'm going to get the Matchbox Twenty guy, I guess. Um, sometimes it's that, or, or sometimes it's, you know, you're on a gorillas track now and, <laughs> and people are all about you. So I'm, I'm holding out hope that, well, yeah, yeah. I mean that, that he, cause even Bobby Womack shows up on the gorillas track, <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're well, just like, was... it's, it's, it's about time that someone, yeah. someone digs up, uh, uh, Jimmy or God, I almost did it. Johnny did Nash. It. <laughs> Johnny Nash. We need to drop in a sound effect every time that happens. That's do the uh, do the Price is Right sound. Yes, exactly. Nah, yeah. wah, wah, wah. <laughs> or maybe you know we were just talking that we don't have bits on our on our show. Maybe that'll be our bit. The the That'd Jimmy awesome. or Johnny. The Jimmy or Johnny. That's, yep. Yeah. People like are it. gonna love it. We're gonna sell T-shirts. It's it's gonna be great. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's a uh, yeah. It, it would be and and he's ripe for the picking like he's he's just obscure yes. enough uh he's got yep. that one yep. hit that everyone knows but they probably yep. know jimmy cliff's version better than they'd know his uh oh and, if you're my so, age definitely yeah, yeah you, you, know, you think cool bobsleds immediately yep. that's right yep and so like yeah it's it's one of those things but but do you actually think he would actually do it i'm not sure i'm not sure he would i'm not sure either i'm not sure either i i I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, with his 1986 album, he did a little bit of touring and television appearances. And there's one that's out there on YouTube, him doing a song off of that track. And I can't remember. It's not American Bandstand or Soul Train, but it's 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 something in that vein, you know, of a mid 80s show. And he's, you know, he's he's up there at this point. Not mm-hmm. he, He's probably my age. He's probably my age. And so old and awkward. Um, <laughs> and he's wearing like this Cosby sweater in nice slacks and he's doing like this little dance and there's all of these really young kids around him bopping around and the man <laughs> looked so uncomfortable like oh, man. i mean i'm sure i'm sure he was lip syncing to the track and, yeah. and i'm sure that's awkward especially for guys that age or that, that came out of uh, a, a different background and it's just he clearly did not enjoy it it sounds like when that album didn't track he was just like yep okay <laughs> done and 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 so, yeah, you do wonder, but uh, I don't know. You, you, you hope. I mean, you, well, you hope. You hope that somebody can come out yeah. with proper respect and and at least give him that sort of recognition. Because these uh, the, the first couple episodes are going to be rough. I'm not going to be kind to his first couple albums, but yeah. he's got some fantastic songs in there that really. Yeah. And every time I play them around with people are are, are, are in earshot, there's a. 
they, they, they smile. Yeah. <laughs> they sit back and they're like, I had forgotten, especially with, uh, I can see clearly they're just, mm-hmm. I was just playing in the car yesterday and my wife and my son were both just kind of sitting back like, I forgotten how good this song is. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a stunner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think the, the way that someone could get him on board is if they gave him more control over the direction of yeah. the project than what would they, they would normally do. Um, yeah. I, he, he strikes me as one of those guys that, that really wants to have control over his image and, and over his sound. Um, yeah. Yeah. And for someone like Rick Rubin to come in and say, no, I'm a, I'm a make this over again. Like that's, yeah. that's not going to fly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You got to believe. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like I would hope that he's open to influence and, and to uh, suggestions and, and creative input, but, but you know, he's the type that he's, he's like, no, like at the end of the day, like what I say goes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Totally. I mean, especially he's not, it doesn't sound like he's hard up. Um, no. it sounds like, you know, he, he had a great career and he's doing fine financially and, you know, he doesn't need anybody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One gets the sense. Yep. So, so why do you think that, uh, I remember the speculation around, uh, his arrival <laughs> in, in Jamaica, uh, yeah. right on the verge of finding it or finding Bob Marley and the Whalers, uh, with yeah. David Sims, his newly found, uh, partner and, uh, just friend, uh, at the yeah. time, David Sims was in some kind of trouble, uh, with the law, but all the research I found was reticent to say what it was or if they knew at all um and so what do you think brought them to jamaica <laughs> okay i'm gonna i'm gonna call you out first though okay it's danny sims mm. david sims is the film critic for the atlantic who as far <laughs> as i know is not in any sort of legal trouble his podcast is still great oh uh, man it's, <laughs> it's happening again danny david same same name right <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! But I am picturing the film critic on the run <laughs> yeah, from the exactly. law. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote. It would be a wild adventure. He wrote something about about uh about the Irishman. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Scorsese's on his trail. <laughs> no, it's the Marvel fans that are after. Oh, he really right. liked it and said it's the only cinema, and you agree with them. So you uh you ran off with them. That's awesome. Uh, you know, no. Uh, it, it is funny that everything there's there's just a giant lacuna there that's like Danny Sims for reasons went to Jamaica <laughs> and it's it's you know it's drug trouble possibly it's it's um uh, not paying artists possibly I've heard a little bit of that he's trying to dodge royalties um it, but all of my looking around none of that stink falls on Nash though like there's nothing that I've seen and maybe, maybe you saw something that even hinted at shadiness on his part and so you gotta believe that he was there just because the music right i mean he's got he's got a business partner his business partner's going over there that's how he's getting his music out and in i don't know it's it's hard to imagine a world where you're not aware of reggae at at, you know at my age so i i gotta believe he at least knew there was uh, an indigenous interesting indigenous music that maybe he wanted to check out a little bit more so I don't know. I'm I'm gonna veer on the nice side. Why yeah. do you think they went? So so I definitely think that that Danny Sims uh, went for for you know nefarious reasons. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I think Nash probably saw that opportunity and he was like, yeah, I want to go anyways. And, and yeah. Nash is a smart guy. Like he, he probably just looked the other way and he, he kept <laughs> himself like he, he took no part in whatever Danny was involved in, but yeah. he took the opportunity and he went and, uh, and I think, like, the fact that he was a Boy Scout growing up, from the sounds of it, from everything I read, he was yeah. literally a Boy Scout throughout his life. Like, yeah. he did yeah. very little that would really question his reputation or his, exactly. his you know, moral standing within uh, the wider community. And so, yeah, there's no doubt he knew what was going on with Danny. Um, yeah. But I think, I think he was just willing to look the other way because they were friends and partners. And he yeah. was like, you know what? let's uh let's let's take advantage of this and yeah and music was never the same after so <laughs> yeah ex- that's exactly right yeah yeah and as somebody who works as as a day job at college campuses college campuses are never the day <laughs> yeah, exactly. no doubt. seriously i cannot imagine walking through the 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 main halls you know the the main commerce halls at the start of the semester when they're selling posters and oh man like if if there was no Johnny Nash, that means there'd be no Bob Marley posters, and yep. like half of their posters would be gone. It would just be Belushi in the college shirt and they're, naked backs with Pink Floyd covers on them. It would it would be a yeah. lesser place. There, there'd be no college students who uh, kept saying that Legend was the greatest album ever made, even though it's oh. not actually an album. It's the greatest hits <laughs> compilation. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I yeah. am pleased to say I have not run into that. One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh. Uh, I've caught it on a few podcasts. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <just> no. <laughs> uh, that's not. Yeah, and you know, it's it's one of those things like like the the fascination of of young, uh, largely white po- like college students with yeah. Bob Marley is is really really a telling sign of cultural uh, tourism. <laughs> oh, totally, <laughs> totally, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's worse when they get out there acoustic guitar yeah of and, course you know and it's, sing some of and it's really yeah something. no doubt three little birds uh, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> well and, and and as 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 good as bob marley was he was far from your traditional reggae artist and and so yeah. like if you are like the second you find people that actually know reggae like if you listen to actual reggae like mm. reggae like reggae reggae that's mm. some that's some fascinating stuff, and it's it's not near as accessible as as Bob Marley is. Bob yeah, Marley, I've never, I've never listened it. to it. I don't, I'm not familiar with that yeah. at all. There's a oh, I wish I there's a there's a documentary called Rockers, I think, and the soundtrack okay. to that actually has a pretty good mix of of popularized and and kind of more uh, old school like traditional reggae. Um, yeah, gives you a good kind of swath of of what's offered and it's a uh it's been a while since i've watched a documentary i remember being pretty good at least um, yeah but it's a it's a pretty pretty celebrated documentary within the realm of music so um yeah it's <laughs> and that's and that's the first sign that you know like really the college kids are doing it because they're high <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's my <laughs> assumption but i i'm i fall closer to the johnny nash good little church boy yeah. uh <laughs> uh side of things and then i do the uh, uh danny sims troublesome side so I, I, i'll step away from that i i probably 
I probably come off and talk like a Danny Sims, but I'm I'm yeah. very much like you. I'm I'm on in my actions. I'm I'm more of a good boy Johnny Nash type. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. <laughs> that said, his Goodbye Crooner songs not my favorite of the bunch. No, uh, no. Yeah, which which which. So having gone through his discog, which what what are your favorite tracks? Oh man, um. I mean, really, really for me, uh, I keep going back to some of the later stuff, like where he yep. starts getting into kind of the experimental side of things, like Celebrate Life, um, mm. which if you look up ratings for that album, mm-hmm. they're not very high. Um, yeah. It's, the popular reception was not very good on that one. And yet, I think it was because there's so many looks going on in that album uh, that, yeah. that people don't know what to do with it. Uh, understandably. Yeah. Um, and not every song works. Um, I'm trying to remember, let's see here, pull up the actual name of the song I liked on it. Um, I mean, of course, any, any top five will have to have, uh, I can see clearly just cause it's, yep. it's, it's the monolith in, in his career. Um, yep. And deservedly. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I believe. Let me pull this up real quick. Yeah, so the I know that for sure the title track uh, is is up there for me, um, as well as everybody's got an aura, which is this weird mm, yeah. opener. <laughs> um, it's psychedelic almost, um, which makes yeah. sense for the time period it was it was released. Uh, I feel yeah. like there's an element of uh, psychedelic rock that's weaving its way into his his uh, persona and his oh, sound, yeah. and so. And, um, and Psych Soul is a thing, you know, yeah, Sly Stone's doing that exactly. around the time. So, yeah, yeah. And and I think, I, I actually, I really respect his uh, quote-unquote covers of Marley. Uh, although, oh, yeah. what is actually a cover and what is actually uh, an original <laughs> version, like, that's that's kind of hard because it's a pretty tight space in between. <laughs> yes, it is. So Yes, it is. Um, yeah, but I, I had the same response that, I mean... Uh, there's a there's a laid backness to his versions of the song yeah. that that it sounds weird to say you're being more laid back than the Jamaican reggae singer. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's just there's something about the way that he he pulls back um, in his uh, enunciations where yes. um, you know he lets the stir part hang just a little bit before sort of catching up with the beat for the it up right there. And there's there's that weird tension that he does that really works for me, especially with the, you know, the, with the reggae beats that, yeah. that I, I think it's just fantastic. Well, I I'm think, sorry. I interrupted you. No, no, Go no, ahead. you're good. And, and I think part of that is goes to the credit of the fact that he just wasn't as revolutionary as Bob Marley. And I'm speaking revolutionary, not in a musical sense, but in a, a social political sense, right? Uh, his, yes. his aim was not revolution on any no. level. And so the immediacy of those songs is, is dropped. Um, that's interesting yeah so um whereas bob marley was was very political was very socially oriented and and so when he's singing those songs like he's singing them as a as anthems of of change and and when nash sings them uh while he would probably agree with all the things that bob marley wants i would assume yeah um he that just isn't his thing that's not his that's not his um his strong suit and so 
um, he his thing is music and he's going to put his own spin on it and his voice just doesn't do immediacy it's yeah no it's too it's too soulful it's too yep. it's too silky like uh, yep. many many writers have uh, spoken of his voice and and so for him to try to get get that immediacy in those songs i feel like it'd be near impossible um, yeah and if he did attempt it i think it would sound pretty bad yeah so yeah yeah they really are different completely different versions of the yeah. same song exactly. they're, they're different they're different songs in the way yeah. that you describe it there yeah yeah what you i think those are probably my my top favorites uh i mean of course there's there's tracks on on i can see clearly the album uh but yeah i, I think i think those tracks off of celebrate life and then the the reggae kind of quote-unquote covers of marley are, are some of my favorites yeah I, that's exactly what i'm gonna say i mean it, i can see clearly it's the obvious answer i'm probably gonna always give the obvious answer when we're doing these music <laughs> episodes because i'm not a terribly nuanced music critic, but uh, I mean, that song's just amazing. I, I think it deserves to be his best known song. But uh, the less obvious answer I'll give is Guapa Jelly. That's a, a, uh, a Marley song that it just it nails something that I think exists in all of his songs from one way or the other. The sort of there's a, a, a he's really good at kind of pulling back in building tension by kind of hanging back in the song a little bit, um, which is happening with the, with the verses. Um, and they have almost a Smokey Robinson quality, the, the verses, like it feels like a leftover Motown song in a lot of ways until it hits that chorus and, and, and he really belts and lets get loose. And it's wonderful. It's the lyrics are a little bit silly to me, but <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the delivery is totally works for me. And that's, that's easily my favorite. I, I, I find that, and maybe I'm skipping to the end a little bit too quick. I find that I'm frustrated by his songs uh, a lot because mm-hmm. he's so experimental. Yeah. Um, that it feels like a lot of his music is, oh, no, that's not fair. I'll say more songs than not are, have really wonderful moments. And it's like, oh, I see what you're trying to do here. It's not 100% working for me. Yeah. And so those that do work are just, they they they're just incredibly soothing and 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 rapturous rapturous but yeah but they yeah it's it it's it's i don't want to say rare but it's it's unusual for us his experimentation to find its its uh yeah. resolution in, yes. in any singular song that's a perfect um, way of putting yeah. it yeah and and what what i think is going to be fascinating in our kind of tour of his of his discography is going to be for a man who is so like against trends it's going to be fascinating to see where the trends of the mu- of the music of his day at each yeah. point find their way into his music and see what influences he ends up uh taking on and which ones he he discards um, yeah because i think that's going to be pretty telling and and i think like we've talked about like i talked about with celebrate life you're starting to see some psychedelia going mm-hmm. on in there you starting this year of course the reggae is there it's front and yep. center a lot of times um but he allows influence but it's minimal and he uses yep. it to to feed his own sound and not the yeah. other way around so um yeah it's he's he's a fascinating artist uh, i think this he is really an interesting is. ride so yeah and i think I'm, I'm gonna throw this out here real quick i know we're kind of headed towards the end but let me throw this out real quick he strikes me as an appropriate person to start with 
um, in our music elements of the of the of the movie discussion, because he kind of reminds me of of musical version of Armitage, where you could look at him and say, well, you know, there's no this not, isn't an artist. This isn't an auteur. He's he, he dabbles in too many styles. But when you look closely enough, you can definitely see there's some choices being made here. Uh, there's an interest that that transcends one particular genre. Uh, but there's there's a definite interest that doesn't track a clear um, a clear artistic no- narrative. And yes. so I, I think he makes a lot of sense. I think we're going to find some parallels. There. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. Yeah. yeah and I, I think that's going to be a fun ride uh, yeah. when it comes to uh, kind of seeing how all these weave together uh, in, in weird and interesting ways. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I think that sounds like a good wrap up for the intro episode then. And, and we are going to go ahead and record uh, the start talking about his first couple albums in which my excitement will drop. What <laughs> <now>. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's going to be the case for both of us on some way. OK, uh, so, so don't still, worry. Hey, listeners, listen to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be so exciting. We're yeah. very excited. Well, and, and, and good luck trying to get your hands on them because they are not easy to come by. These albums aren't. So, <laughs> yes, uh, but geez. we have our ways. <laughs> yes, we do. We do. So uh, join us uh, Join us next month uh, as we dig into his first album, uh, the self-titled 1958, uh, where we get into some nice crooning uh, because <laughs> that's where you got to start. And uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So from Joe and I, we we thank you for listening to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank, and we will see you next time. And remember, this podcast is us. Thank you for listening. If you like what we do, head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a review. Every bit of feedback gives us the ability to expand our audience. Our podcast theme was created by Yawns. You can find his music and other projects at thespacecampaign.com. Our podcast intro music was Strapped Beat by Shaolin Dub. Our podcast outro music was created by Jeff Hansen. Our podcast artwork was created by Jeff Waring. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. And you can find Blake on Twitter at Lost in Osmosis and Joe at J.A. George II, spelled I-I. Hey, bing, 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 bang. Popcorn.